Welcome to Hill City. I think everyone is awake this morning. Um, I just want to say thank you, Maddie, for leading us in worship. Uh, I love that our, our youth can lead us in worship. Amen. So I just ask that that um, challenge you today, that that challenge you to, to enter in um, a little bit further. And whatever that means for you, that's between you and God personally. But uh, if our youth can lead us in worship, um, in front of all these adults, it's kind of nerve-wracking, right, Maddie? And, uh, you know, we never, as a, as a band, as like your worship team, we never want it to be a show. We always want it to be about worshiping God together. And so if that can lead you just a little further into worship in your own way today, I just challenge you in that way. And thank you, Maddie, for just leading us. And so we're just going to do a new song. Um, you can sing with us. And uh, yeah, let's just worship together. What fortune lies beyond the stars? Dazzling heights too vast to climb I got so far to fall so far But I found heaven as love swept low My heart beating, my soul breathing I found my life when I laid it down upward Reaching out, I 
is right here, just one step away. can find you whenever we need you, God. We just honor you today, Lord Jesus. Be in our praise today, God. Be in, be in our worship. Come fill this place with your presence, Lord Jesus. verse again. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life. Oh, he is my. Come on, sing it out. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, cause you are good, you good. Oh, cause you are good, good. Oh, let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails the anchor in the waves oh he is my song let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins the echo of my days oh he is mine come on sing that again let the king of my heart the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he is my song. And let the king of my heart breathe a fire inside my veins, the echo of my days, oh, he is my song.
you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me Come on, me sing it down. out with everything you got. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let me down. No. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. Oh, cause you are Praise God in this place. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Stay seated for just one minute. I want to read something over you. And then I want to sing this just one more time. There is a, there is a variety of situations where people are in this place this morning. Right? There's mountains. There's valleys. There's peaks. There's whatever the opposite of peak is. All right? But I want to pray this over you. And this is for my life right now. Even I read this the other day, uh, and I won't go into a little bit of my journey, but I want to pray this over you. I'm praying that you never try riding faster than your angel can fly. Pace yourself. Just because things aren't happening, can I get a little bit more, more music back here? Come on, Madison. We love Madison. She's awesome. I wasn't trying to pick on you, but just because things aren't happening fast enough as you like, 
doesn't mean it's okay to bypass the process. Can we not bypass the process this morning? Man, it's so easy. And it's like, take me out of the situation. You ever pray that? Get me out of this thing. Get me out of this muck, God. I shouldn't be here. There's a process, though, I'm telling you. There is a process. Say, there's a process. What you're currently going through may be the next, oh, this is good, maybe the exact preparation necessary to prepare you for the next dimension. Hang on. Hang on. It's time to trust God for the victory that's on its way. Amen? Do we believe that? Man, thank God for the storm. There's all these, in the scriptures, talk about God talking, in the storm, trust me, in the storm. Not, don't, let's not pray this morning just kind of weak Christian faith that says, take me out of the storm, take me out of this. And you come out of here like, God took me out of it. I didn't have to persevere. I didn't really have to learn from it. Man, can we learn in the storm this morning, guys? Can we not bypass that process, that, that thing that's just churning in you? And one of the best parts of your faith in your life is to come to a situation later in your life and someone needs you. And you can say, Rico, I've been through it. There's nothing more beautiful in our faith, and that's what God demonstrated for us by sending his son so that man, that Jesus could take on the, the, the hardness, the hardships, the trials of humanity and say, I know what you're going through, Jeff. Our God, our creator, our savior knows what you're, knows what you're going through. And I pray that he, you guys turn to him right now. And can we just pray that one more time when you sing that? Man, and I think that the other words, oh, I could just go on, I won't, I won't, I'll take too much time. But man, the words you were singing, I lay my life down. When I lay my life down, when I get on my knees, that's where life is. Amen? It's, it's an upside-down kingdom. Our faith is backwards. You're like, oh, if I do good, I get good. No, he's saying, when you give away your life, when you give, 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 you give, that's when you receive. It's the emptying out that the filling up comes. All right? If you're a Christian, this is new. It's okay. We're going to teach you about this. But I just want us to be giving, emptying out Christians and that the church, that we understand this upside down kingdom, that laying our life down is when we find God. So in light of that and the rest of this service, can we just sing God, you are good one more time as we empty out ourselves, thanking God for our trial, thanking God for the process that in it we are learning, we are growing, we are stretching and praise God this morning. Come on, Jen, lead us one more time.
is important and that we trust you in Jesus name amen 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 give God a hand amen you guys can be seated this morning thank you for worshiping with us man welcome to Hill City Church this is your first time can you raise your hand and come up here no I'm kidding you don't need to do that some people would not like that I would like to be like hey let's come on let's do this no, if it's your first time, welcome to Hill City Church. Man, we love worshiping God. We love creating an atmosphere to encounter Jesus, our Savior. Amen. And uh, Jen, thank you for the team, for leading us. And uh, if there's any questions, if you're a newcomer, um, we'd love to, to um, answer any questions you have, guys have, have in the foyer and uh, be here as the church for you. So um, uh, say foster kids. Um, why did I just say foster kids? I'll explain it. <laughs> we, as our uh, ushers, you guys can come forward and we'll keep on, keep on keeping on here. Um, uh, Trent talked about this last week. Uh, we, we do this annual thing with our kids. We want to, want to teach our kids, Jeremiah, how to be givers. Amen. Anybody else kids takers? No? Okay. Uh, oh, I lost my music. Uh, the <laughs> my kids are takers. All right. But we want to demonstrate for our kids and, and, and disciple our kids to be givers. And so every year we do a thing. Last year we did a, 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 oh my gosh, my mind is like completely blank. I got so enamored by your orange. We did, they did care packages for the homeless. So we, we, we put together, I believe, between 100 and 200 care packages. And what we did is the kids put these, assembled these care packages together so that they, when they were out and about in Denver or Boulder or Thornton or wherever in the community, that they had a care package and they saw someone who was in need on the side of the road. It wasn't like, here's some cash or whatever, which isn't a bad thing and we want to give, but they had a care package ready. So they could say, in our kids, do that transaction, do that thing with that person who was in need. And the kids loved it. So we did a vote again this year. We said, do you guys want to do that or do you want something different? So what we decided this year was to do foster care bags. And a lot of people don't know this. If you've been through the foster care system, you could speak to it a lot more than I can because I've never been through that system. And it's, it's, a, it's a very hard, uh, broken system. But a lot of times when kids go to, uh, to foster care, they're basically given a black trash bag with a few, few bare necessities in it. And so what we want to do as Hill City Church is put together, uh, give some money. They're 25 bucks a bag. And what they are is they're legitimate bags, real totes filled with things that the kids actually need. And they don't, they're not left with just this sort of really, it's already a really hard transition. But we want to make a little dent in that process so that when they go through it, they're equipped with uh, better, you know, just a, that little thing that we can help in that, ne in that next journey for them. And so uh, we're, we're trying to raise over $1,000, which equates to, if I can do the math right, 40-some bags. And uh, is that right, Alan, my accountant friend? And 
Uh, so we're, this is our last week. If you haven't given, if you've heard us talk about it, if you heard about Trent talk about it last week and it's on our website and all these things and you've been waffling or, or hesitating, this is your last week. So please give uh, a little bit. It doesn't matter. You can give a dollar. You can give a thousand dollars, you know, anything in between there. And we would uh, welcome, uh, we'd just be so uh, grateful for that and making a dent in, uh, in this process as Hill City Church. Amen? All right. Uh, I'm going to pray for our offering and we are going to hand it over to John O to bring a message. So God, thank you for this morning that we get to worship you. We get to love you, and uh, worship's for us, um, and that we get to glorify your name. It's a big Christian word, but just make, make, make you known, God, and make you good this morning. That's what we wanted to do. So you are good, and I believe you will never let us down. And I thank you for the process. I thank you for the journey that we're on as humans. And I pray that throughout the rest of the sermon that we grow just even a, even a millimeter, or maybe it's feet closer to you this morning, that we don't leave this place just kind of going through the motions, God. But we're thankful for your, we thank you for you. We thank you for your son. And we, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your giving. Um, you see back here, uh, next week we're going to have... A, uh, a doctor from uh, the Denver Seminary speak to us about uh, uh, boomers, Xers, and millennials, that we each play a vital role in the church. So if you're thinking what you, our role is and what we have to give, I, we are, uh, I believe that the church needs to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational place. We work best in that way. All throughout the book of Acts, it spoke about multi-ethnic, multi, uh, 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 it was socially different and multi-generational. And, and I believe each of our generations plays a different role. And I know each of us play somewhere in there. Some of us are boomers. Any boomers in here? Oh, geez. Raising hands. They do raise hands. Any Xers? Woo! That's right. I'm at the end of the Xers. Any millennials? Oh, man, you guys are all soft, all soft. But uh, we, we're going to bring in a specialist. This is what she speaks at, at companies, and she's going to speak to us at churches that we all play a role, and that's how we function as a healthy church. So if you know people who would be interested, please bring them. I believe it would be a perfect time to hear a specialist, and, and it, please uh, be here next week. But at this time, I just want to bring, uh, bring up a family. We're doing a special baby dedication and uh, the family of Miles, Leon, Marillo, if they would come up. All right. Right up to the front here. We're doing a dedication because this is when the families could get together. And this is what we do. This is what we do. We want to celebrate Miles. And here he comes. He even has a bow tie and matching shoes, right? You got to do it. He, he has the same colors as Tino on right now. That's right. Red shoes. Oh, here we go. Can I hold them? It's been a while. It's been a while. Hey, what's up, Miles? If everyone can say hello, Miles. Look at that. He has some chucks on, right? Nice kicks here. He has his bow tie, if you could see it. And he seems so comfortable in this Korean guy's hands. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, I, and I, I love these people. I love these people and uh, uh, Shanity and Josh. And I, I've known you guys for a while. And, and uh, it's uh, pretty amazing that I, we get to do this. I, I remember Shanity used to say she's never going to have children, right? Is that you, what you used to say? Guess what? Even bef before a year was over, pregnant, right? Right? That's what happens. That's what happens. Keep your hands off for Josh, right? But, uh, but the reason we dedicate to children, because in, in the Bible, 
Uh, they, uh, Jesus was dedicated in the temple, and so was Samuel. And, uh, and, and when they were dedicated, they brought the child up. And here's Miles, and he's so just peaceful. He, they brought the child up uh, to uh, the priest or to the leader of the temple, and the, uh, and, the, and the priest would bless them, would speak life over them. And both uh, uh, Samuel and both Jesus was spoken over, and today we get to speak over Miles. But, uh, but dedication is not just the dedication of a child. It's actually the dedication of the church and the dedication of the family, dedication of the parents. And, and because the most important thing that Miles has for his life is the family, is, is, is you guys. You guys, what you do is what he will represent one day. I know, he's yawning. He thinks I'm boring. I get you. I get you. But he represents just your example is what he replicates. The way you guys uh, live, the way you guys love people, and, uh, and, and you, the way you guys have a heart for God will be his heart for God. The way you guys love music or comics, he will love music and comics. It's just what he will do. And, if you, and the way you like the Raiders, we pray for them, right? We pray for them. Is the way he will once, because he can't pick the jersey that he wears, right? That's the parents' fault. But, but more than anything, we leave a legacy for Miles. We leave a legacy for Miles, and it's you guys who are leaving that legacy for him. And so today we're going to pray a blessing over his life. And, um, and the best thing that I believe that you can give Miles is two things. Number one is a passion for God and for life. I believe that Christians should have such a passion for life and for people that you believe that you're here with a purpose on a mission and you love God with all your heart. And the second best thing as parents that you can give him is a beautiful marriage. I believe having the best marriage, he's, it's, he's not going to be looking for, uh, he's not going to grow up and say, I wish I had more things. He's going to say, man, my parents had an amazing relationship. And, and that goes off into his life and he carries that with him and i believe those are the best things that we can do um at this time paul you, you want to help carry this mic i get the hard job, yeah, job. <laughs> i want to i want to present this bible this uh, this is if you don't have this bible buy this it's the jesus storybook bible it's it's the bible that tells you every the stories of the bible but it leads back to christ and every every story leads back to christ and i'm going to read you something out of it and um and it's, it just says this now, some people think the Bible's a book of rules telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Other people think the Bible is a book of heroes showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it. But as you soon find out, most of those people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose, and they get afraid and run away at times. They are downright mean, right? No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or, or a book of heroes. The Bible's most a story. It's an adventure story of a young hero who comes from a far-off country to win back the lost treasure. It's a love story of a prince who leaves his palace, his throne for everything to rescue the one he loves. It is like the most wonderful fairy tales that has come true in real life. And I just love the story of that. Remember when your babies used to cry at that level, right? Now they cry at real levels. But at this time, I'm going to pray for Miles. If you guys can just reach your hands towards Miles, I'm going to pray for him.
And Paul, if you can give that Bible to John. And it's good for his brain. We're going to read it, all right? Let's, let me just pray for you. I wrote some things down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray for Miles, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that he would be healthy and strong. And I, I pray in the name of Jesus that he would be courageous under pressure, God, that he would not fold as he grows older, that he would be loyal to his family and to Christ. I pray that he'd be the smartest in class, that he would run fast, Lord God, that he would have so much fun in this life, that he would have just a courageousness, a love for this life. I pray for his health. And most of all, I pray for great passion for people and a passion for God. I pray this over him. Make him a leader and not a follower, God. If we have enough followers, we need those who lead, Lord God. And I pray for his love to burn, Lord God, so deeply for you. We honor you. I pray for Shandity and Josh. I pray for the family and friends that surround him, Lord God. And I pray in this moment, we dedicate Miles and we dedicate the family to you to honor you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Give Miles a hand. We love families here. I really believe that we are here, and, I, I, and we're, uh, we're here to, like, make a difference in the families in Thornton. I was just, we were wondering, like, what can we make? We, we live in North Thornton. What is the greatest impact that we can make here? We can make the greatest impact in families, and, and, and I called it social poverty. And social poverty is many things, but the biggest thing is that people are so lonely and broken and living without purpose. We believe that we are here to represent God's gospel and bring purpose into people's lives and our own lives, to be embraced by it, to be moved by it, that it's not just some small thing. That's the vision we're moving forward. Amen? So good morning. How are you guys doing? It's November, which means it's holiday season. And, and, and no shame, no shame. Who has put up Christmas stuff even a little bit? No shame. Boom, right in the back. Thank you. Anyone else Christmas stuff? I know Bree. Bree has put up Christmas stuff. Like it's full on Christmas in her house. And I was like, who does that? Doesn't anyone care for Thanksgiving? Right? No respect for Thanksgiving. But uh, who, who loves the holidays? Anyone love the holidays? Right? Who thinks the holidays are stressful and hate them? <laughs> right? Some of you, you guys are like, right? You'd rather be in your basement and watch Stranger Things for like nine hours, right? Some people are built that way, but I love November, and I love Thanksgiving. I love the friends and family coming over to our house. We normally have a cramped house. We usually have 50, 60 people over for Thanksgiving, right? And we eat holiday food, and we, we're, I'm Korean, so we make pot stickers, and that's what we do. We fry them up, right? And we watch football games, and I love Thanksgiving. And, I, and, 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 uh, and you know, many people love Thanksgiving Day, but in, in, in the scripture, when we go into it, God desires a Thanksgiving life. He does. Even in, in the verse, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's what it says. It's, it's, it says rejoice always, right? Right? Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. If that was a test, where would you be? Would you be failing? Do you, I'm like, I rejoice sometimes, right, when the Broncos are winning. It's Brock Vember, guys. It's Brock Vember, right? I, I pray at dinner. I pray at dinner. I give thanks in blessings. When things are good, I can, I can give thanks to God. 
And, and uh, we were singing this song, and it was perfectly matching what I was thinking today. See, tests, that God, if we were going through this test, would we be failing or would we be doing well? How do we live, live in gratitude when life gets hard? How do we say, God, you are good when life is difficult with problems that we weren't ready for, with stresses of family, of marriage, financial stress, school stress, work stress, there's people going through different stresses. Some people in this room even almost lost their home. My cousin lost his home in California because he was trying to save other people's homes. And, it, and it's so crazy. We can go through a lot of stress. There's people in here that have been through some, uh, some major things. But then how do we rejoice and have this grateful outlook like, uh, like Paul says in that verse? Because we all believe that gratitude is vital in our life, don't we? We all believe that. Christian or not, you believe that gratitude is vital for your life. You want your kids, you tell your kids to say thank you, not because you understand how vital it is to have a grateful heart. It's not just this Christian thing, but how do we live it? See, I was reading the Harvard Business Journal. It says they did a study on gratitude. And researchers studied two groups. One group, they told to write down every day what they're grateful for. And the group two, they were told to write down their um, irritations and issues and complaints every day. And after 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. And surprisingly, they exercised more. They had fewer visits to the doctors. And they were, they were not focused on their source of aggravation. But in many more tests of gratitude, and they've done tons, researchers found that the healthiest emotion that a person can have is gratitude. It makes them more satisfied with life. It helps them live longer. Uh, and and gra grateful people normally have happier and healthy lives, healthier lives. So it's important to smile a little as you're frowning, some of you, at me. Right? I love gratitude, John. Hurry up, right? And I was just thinking this, gratitude is vital. It's also the will of God for your life. That's what the Bible says. Gratitude, rejoicing, praying to God, being connected to him. It's the will of God for your life. Think about that. So how do we begin to walk in it? Because some of us, we're naturally critical, right? Hey, you're like, wow, the sun is beautiful. You're like, the sun is hot, right? <laughs> Like, I love, I love Colorado nights. Yeah, look how windy it is. Now I have to get all the leaves off my yard. Like, I'm like, at least you have a yard. Right? So I, I want to explore this. And I want to I start by telling you a story about perspective. And this is a story about Candace and I. And I, I use us because it's awesome. And, uh, and I hope you think highly of me after this. But you probably will not. You might think differently. But two years ago, I got to take my family to, the Dis to Disneyland. The Disneyland of Colorado, Elitch Gardens, right? right? Hey, it's close enough, right? It's the Disneyland of Colorado. I was so excited. Like, my kids were tall enough to ride the big rides, and, and it was amazing. It was time to face their fears. As a dad, I'm like, it's time to face your fears. So the first ride I take them on is what? The Tower of Doom, because that's what you should take them on, Right? Uh, well, if you are nine and seven years old, you need the Tower of Doom, right? That's what I think. You go big or go home, right? So we're waiting in line, and Candace is not fully on board with my plan, right? Candace is nice. She's like, John, I don't know if this is good, right? She begins to question my parenting, shame on you, out loud. So my daughter, Sienna, she's like, no, there's no way. Mom says, that's a death trap. I'm not going on it, 
right? Immediately, she's like, I'm not going on. I'm going, I'm getting out of line. I'm like, and, but I will not budge. I'm not, I'm not budging. I'm not budging. It's just, I'm hard-headed, right? And, and I am, right? And I, I could see my son. He's totally, he's starting to change sides on me. He's like listening to his mom, and I can see his face turning. He's like getting upset. And, and then out of nowhere, the ride attendant says, I need two. I need two, right? And I was like, right here, right here, because I don't want to wait 20 minutes more in line. So immediately, without letting him think, I take Micah up to the front. But there was a problem with this whole situation. Because they needed two, uh, Micah and myself, we weren't able to ride together. So he would be sitting over there, and I'd be sitting here. And <laughs> But I was totally good with this, right? I was totally good with this. He wouldn't sit next to me, but he would get to face the Tower of Doom alone. It's all right. Instead of wasting 20 more minutes. I was okay, but mom was not, right? Mom was not okay. She began to yell, no, 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 right? No, 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 no. I was like, shut your mouth. Get him in the seat. I'm like, get him in the seat. No, 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 no. You better. You better. So she starts going through the line. And then he is not riding alone. And of course, the other moms are starting to join in. That's right. He's too small to ride alone. And I was like, shut your mouth. This is not your kid, right? He hits the height. I get to make these decisions, right? He's too small. He's too small. Someone needs to go with him. Who's his parent? They're saying all these things. I'm like, oh, right? Then Candace physically gets up and pulls Micah off the ride, right? That's right. And Mike, don't give her a hand, please. How dare she? How dare she do that to us? My son needed this. This was his rite of passage to big rides. And we were arguing in Elitches out loud, yes. We're yelling at each other from I'm, I'm on the seat yelling at him. Let him ride. Let him ride. <laughs> I was already buckled in. I couldn't get out, right? And I wouldn't have got out anyway. Then it would have meant that she won the argument. Oh, bad parenting, guys. All right? But we're arguing out loud, and, and it's so funny. I, we have two totally uh, perspectives on this. I wanted my son to experience the joy of the tower. It was going to be amazing. And my wife, she wanted my son to suffer and be a wimp, Right? And, and so we had two different perspectives. And this year, we finally got on the Tower of Doom. And, of course, they were high-fiving Dad. They're like, Dad, you're so right. Mom was so wrong. This is, hey, I got the microphone. This is, a, this is amazing. This is so amazing, Dad. You are so amazing. I should have never listened to Mom that day, right? But here's my point. Here's my point. Here's my point. Two people can go through the same situation and have two totally different perspectives and two totally different outlooks on what is going on. It's a matter of trust, right? I trusted the engineers of the Tower of Doom. I trusted the safety monitors that it would be safe. I trusted the 16-year-old ride attendant that he knew what he was doing, right? I trusted in Micah's fortitude to acknowledge that this was big and good enough for him. And that gave me freedom to enjoy this ride without fear. While Candace did not trust Micah's father, nor his insights on the tower, nor did he understand age appropriateness, right? She thought this would be traumatic. And, and she did not see it as joy, but horror. So she took matters into her own hand because Micah's dad was incompetent to parent his child appropriately. And of course, this is kind of a joke, 
But all of this to say is that our outlook, it's, maybe it wasn't a joke in a moment because we did argue out loud, all the way to the white roller coaster, which is in the back of you, let's just, we're yelling at each other. She's like, why are you yelling so loud? Because I want to yell, right? But uh, all of this to say is that our outlook and our response to situations is based on trust. And the difference of gratitude or grumbling, faith or fear begins with trust. And if you have your Bibles, please go to Exodus 16. We celebrate the word of God, if you don't know, because we believe it reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes our lives. That's why we do it. So here, the people of Israel, they're in the wilderness. And to note, I just want to give you some major themes of the Bible, the major themes of Israel, and the major theme of our life is that God's way is better than our way, yet it's different than our way. And how we respond when we face the unknown or when we're not in control determines our attitude or our gratitude. It really does. How we view the situation and how we view God determines our attitude and determines our gratitude. So here's the backstory of, of Exodus 16. God rescues his people from the hands of Egypt, right? And we all know this if we watch the, like the Moses stories on, on TV, but God rescues his people from the hands of Egypt, from slavery, from generational oppression. For hundreds of years, the Israelites were oppressed by the Egyptians. This is not like five years. This is hundreds of years of slavery. The people of Israel like were under oppression. And then these people receive God's supernatural provision, and then they are set free, Right? Yet God never stops testing their heart. Think about that moment. God will do something miraculous in our life, but he will never stop testing our hearts. He, he is in the business of seeing where our hearts lie. And so God rescues his people, but yet he's checking their hearts. And this is what he does, this is what he does in, in testing our hearts and testing Israel. He takes them through the Red Sea. He says, will you trust me there? He leads them into the wilderness. Will you trust me there? He takes them the long route, right? The, 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 not the ways route, but he takes them the long route. And then, he, and then the route that lacks the necessity to survive. And now in Exodus 16, they've been traveling for one month in the wilderness. In, in the wilderness, in rough terrain, they're tired. Uh, the, the rations are low. And, and, and it's getting hard. Just imagine just families moving through the, through the wild. They're moving through the wild. Just imagine these families. Imagine your mother-in-law just with you for over a month, and you're suffering together. I think of it. I'm like, dear Lord, help me, right? And instead of choosing, and she's probably not watching this, so I, that's why I say it, right? So don't tell her to watch that, okay? Don't, Sianna, don't do it, all right? And instead of choosing to trust God, that he's in control and we can hold on to his promises and, and we can look back into our past experiences. They choose to fall back in fear and, and believe the lack of control of God. So that's what's going on. Exodus 16, 1 to 3. It says this. Then the whole community of Israel sent out, set out from Elam to the journeyed into the wilderness of sin. It's interesting. It's called that. Between Elam and Mount Sinai, they arrived on the 15th day. And, and on, of the second month, only one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So they're in one month in. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. And listen what they said. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, which is not true. This is ridiculous, right? But now you've brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. It's crazy 
They're thinking this way. But it's crazy how quickly they forgot their chains. They're asking to be back in Egypt where they were slaves. It wasn't good times. They were slaves. Instead of pushing forward and persisting one month, right, they began to grumble. Instead of gratitude, they began to dream about Egypt. How crazy is that, right? Or is it? Or is that crazy? If, if we would be honest today, how often do we want to go back to the life that once was? Think about that for a moment. How often when we say those were the good old days and they weren't that good, you just think they were good because they're not right now, right? It seems like it was better back then when really it was killing us, it was hurting us, and we hated the person that we were. But yet when we're facing hardship in the current circumstances, we quickly forget and we desire a false hope instead of enduring and growing. We revert back to Egypt mentality, comparing an untrue view of you and your life now. Listen, you can get out of Egypt, but it's hard to get Egypt out of you. We can get out of Egypt, but it's hard to get Egypt out of you. I think about this often because many times we look back in our lives or whatever we're going through, we, we say, I wish I was back then. And that's garbage. You didn't even like back then. That's why you're here, right? And we're like, I wish I was back then. Back then was horrible time. You just have, have dressed it up, put makeup on it like it would look better and feel better. So many people live with an option to go back to Egypt. Go back on faith. Go back on marriage. Go back to the past life. And that's the test of our heart. That's what God is doing, testing us. Yet God, filled with mercy, provides. In Exodus 4, instead of God saying, oh, you drive me crazy, I'm going to crush you like ants, this is what it says. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you, even though you're ungrateful, right? Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this, see whether or not they will follow my instructions. It's crazy that God will test us in the way our heart is built. Because our heart is built in a way we want more and more and more. And God's like, take enough just for today. And what he's trying to do, he's asking us even today, can we trust God for tomorrow? The complaints that we have, are we complaining about the things of, of, of tomorrow? And are we looking in the past and saying those were my best days when we're just dressing those days up? Think about that for a moment. Can we test? Can God test our hearts? Can God test your heart today? Are we reliable? When God gives us grace, I, 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 I talked to the team about grace this morning, and I said, do we have entitlement grace where we believe since I follow God, he has to do all these things for me? Or do we have a grace that works? A grace understanding if God has saved me, I have to do what he's doing. If God has changed my life, I have to actually cultivate the land. And, and, and I was telling them, how many have taken a pickaxe to Colorado land in here? Right? Anyone have worked the land? It's rough. It's horrible. If you ever work Colorado land, it's full of clay, and it's really hard to turn over to grow anything. Most of us, what we do is we buy someone else's dirt. and We don't grow it. We don't use the dirt here because it's so hard. And in the same way, when God gives us grace, are we turning, are we working the land or are we trying to buy our way out? 
Are we working the land? And that's what, uh, that's what they were doing, the Israelites. They wanted a freebie, another freebie, God, because I don't want to work what you've given me. I don't want to trust you in what you've given me. He's testing our heart. Will we trust God when times are bleak? Will we say you are good? You can never let me down. That's not, a, that's not only a profession of, uh, of my moment right now. That is a confession of saying, God, I trust you. Now you are good. I trust you. Tomorrow you are good. I trust you forever you are good. It is standing on the grace of God, not in our momentary moments, right? Will we trust God for that? Listen, their story of Israel is our story. Anytime you think about Israel, that's our story. And God is asking us today, maybe even testing us today, will you follow me when my ways differ from yours? That's hard because we got some plans, right? We have plans of what our family looks like. And uh, these are some hard topics, right? Some of us, when we can't have children, will we trust God that he knows? And that's hard. When we trust God or when we're going through a hardship, when there's death in our lives, that he still knows better than us. And I don't want to just talk fake Christianity where we, where we just say good, nice things. No, when we trust God in our suffering, like my wife, she's going, she has chronic headaches every day she suffers, and I, and I have no answer for her, right? And, and, and if I gave her a ton of answers, that might not be the best position for me to take. I can't, it's really hard to pastor my wife. I need to husband my wife right? I need to stand with her. And it's really hard. And can we trust God when we don't have an answer for our headaches, when we don't have an answer for what the suffering that she goes through? And will we trust him when we don't understand? Because many times I don't understand. Because God's desire is not to always give us an answer. God's desire is to do what he did to Israel, to be our daily provision, our daily bread, our manna, manna. Manna, it's the provision of God, trusting him for my necessity, trusting God for my tomorrow. Will I choose faith over fear? That's the perspective change. Do I, do I want to control this or do I choose that God, you can control this? See, what God was doing was teaching his people how to flourish under his leadership. Not just success, not just succeeding. Flourishing is about growing healthy in an intentional place. See, a lot of us, like Paul was saying, God, get me out of here. But God's like, I got you right where I want you. And you're like, no, I want to be somewhere else, right? This marriage is so hard. I got you right where I need you. Can you stay in it? And can you grow this marriage instead of trying to escape marriage? And hopefully someone else can make this marriage easier. Marriage doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. You got to work the ground. You got to work the ground. God, be my daily bread. That's flourishing. Success is just about my personal achievement, me feeling good, my great name. But God wants us to flourish and grow in a healthy place under his provision as daily bread. Because ultimately, what we achieve will never, it will never fulfill our longing of our soul. Meaning that God has us where he has us because that's where he has us because that's where the longing of our soul is fulfilled. Stop trying to escape so early when God is trying to bring you through something to grow you, to be fruitful and multiply. Only God's provision will satisfy the longing of our hearts. John 6, 32 to 35 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives this true bread from heaven. So Jesus is referring back to this moment in Exodus 16 
right? For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 34, the people said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am that bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And the same question goes to us. Will you and I trust Jesus for our tomorrow when we don't understand, choose faith over fear, and cultivate what he has given us in our hands? Cultivate the land that is right around you. You know, oh, Christianity is weak sauce, man, when we try to escape everything. There is no respect for Christianity many times in our culture because we think we want to do Christian music. We want to jump out of music. We want to do Christian this, Christian that. We are called to the land. We are called to where we are. If you're at Starbucks, be awesome at Starbucks. Don't suck at Starbucks, right? Be awesome where you are. When you are a kindergarten teacher, be an incredible kindergarten teacher. If you're a fifth grade teacher, be a fifth, great fifth grade teacher. Cultivate the land that God has placed you in. Don't push the ejection seat because you're going to go somewhere else and ruin that too. God has placed us to make this land beautiful. We are here for this place. We are here to glorify God where he has placed us. That's it. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, wherever Jesus was, it was beautiful because he brought heaven there. He didn't, he didn't hope that one day heaven would get there. He brought it himself. And I know he's the son of God and he brings heaven where we are. But we have the spirit of God in us. When the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost, it, came, it was on us so that we could be what Jesus was here. To cultivate the land. But cultivating is hard. But you can't escape. We can't just do Christian club. We got to cultivate the land. We got to move in that. And I pray that that be the heart of Hill City, that we're not just here doing Christian stuff with Christian songs and Christian like worship times. And they're like, oh, yeah, I hope that's. And then Christian John is talking about Jesus. No, I hope that we can get to a place where the foster system is better because Hill City's here. That the city of Thornton is better because Hill City is here. That your neighbors love being a neighbor with you because you're incredible because you're cultivating relationships with them. You want their marriage to heal. You're praying for their kid who's, who's caught up in drugs because you care enough to get your hands dirty, to get my hands dirty. We are called to the land when it's uncomfortable. And, we, and you know why we're grateful? Because we understand that God is with us and we trust him over our feeling. He is my daily bread. At this time, the guys are getting communion ready, and they're going to pass it out. But I want to tell you an old, it's, it's probably a fable about Abraham Lincoln, but it so dictates how I feel about the gospel. See, that Abraham Lincoln one day, and this is a story they tell about him, but it's probably a fable, right? That he went down to, uh, to the slave blocks to buy a slave girl. And as she looked at this white man bidding on her, she fig figured he was another white dude going to buy her and then abuse her. He won that bid, and as he was walking away with his property, he said, young lady, you are free. And she said, what does that mean? It means you are free. Does that mean, she said, that I can say whatever I want to say? Lincoln said, yes, my dear, you can say whatever you want to say. Does that mean, she said, that I can be whatever I want to be? And Lincoln said, yes, you can be whatever you want to be. Does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? And Lincoln said, yes, you can go wherever you want to go. Then the girl, with tears streaming down her face, said, then I want to go with you.
I want to go with you. If we truly understood the gospel of Jesus, the love of Jesus for us, the cross, his life that paid for ours, for on our behalf, for our freedom, for our faith, and for our victory, we would say, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to trust you. I want you to have control of my life. That's the gratitude that we have. That's the gospel. That's why, that's why there's joy in our hearts that cannot be shaken through the storm because we know that Jesus has set us free. And no matter where you take us, Jesus, I want to go with you. If you take us to the slums of Denver, I want to go with you. If you would take us to a workplace that's hard, I want to go with you. I want to follow you. Will you trust him? with your life, with your hope, with your tomorrow, because he's trustworthy. And when we trust him, all of life is thanksgiving. All of life is thanksgiving. It's an and one. It's an and one. I did not say it's easy, but it's a gift of God. Life is a gift. You're alive. You're breathing. It's a gift. And he, it's right where he has you. Can we accept it? Can we hold on to it? Because he's with us. And the reasons many Christians we grumble is that we want the freedom of Jesus, but we don't want to follow Jesus. We want the freedom of Jesus, but we don't want to follow him. Let's stand. You are good. Good. Oh, you are good. Good. Oh, you are good. Good. Oh, you are good. Good. gonna let me down just sing it with me you're never gonna let never gonna let me down oh lord you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let so what area has been holding on to you what area have you been holding on to that's really holding on to you, that's been weighing us down? Are you tired of holding on to, like, anger? Are you tired of holding on to, God, you can't have this part of my life? What has been taking your joy? What has been taking your gratitude, your peace? It's time to give that over to God. It's time to leave some control and say, God, you have control. I trust you. I trust my son on the Tower of Doom, that same thought. I trust what they're doing. I, I'm going to let you go. We're going to see what happens God it's time to give God over control to let go in Romans 8 28 says and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose maybe it's time to do his purpose right where you are cultivate right where you are you're with your whole self don't hold anything back if you're new to faith and or if you're coming back to faith, I believe this is a perfect place to start to say, God, there's an area of my life that I, it's been killing me. 
It's been killing me. It's weighing me down. And with all heads bowed, if there's an area of your life that's just weighing you down and it's time for you to struggle no longer and give it to God and walk with him, it's not going to make it just easy and just have a one a super answer. Like it's not a snap of a finger. But I, we're saying, God, I want you to cultivate this in my life. If that's you, just raise your hands. I want to go through the hardship with you, God. But knowing I trust you and that you are still good in the hardship, Lord God. Just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. There's, it's in me too. It's in me too. We can put our hands down. Will you give him a chance? Will you give him a chance? Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who raise their hands, Lord God. I pray that they just release, Lord God, that stress, the anxiety and the fear that we so hold on to, the lust that's overwhelming us. Will we trust you when it says flee from the sexual desires, flee from those areas, Lord God, immorality, Lord God? flee from that, Lord. Will we trust you and say, I'm going to hold on to you, believing that you have the best relationship. Instead of being in a bad relationship, we're getting out of that. I pray instead of being in a, in a place where we're depressed, we're going to trust you and start surrounding ourselves with people who know you. I'm going to trust you, Lord, because you are good. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and he says, this is my blood and it represents the new covenant in my name that means that everything all the ceremonial laws that are in the old testament i'm doing it i'm putting that all together and i'm going to bring you towards god and i'm going to make a way for you to get to god without going through all this other stuff it's going to be through me and then he says he says as you drink of this do this in remembrance of me let's take the cup together And on that same night, as Terry can come up, Terry Farmer, are you here? He took the bread, and this bread, it represents your daily bread. And it, it, we have to eat daily, but in the same way, we need to seek God daily, right? And I break it in my hands. You can come right up here. And as it was broken, he says, this is the bread, and it represents my body, and it is broken for you. And anytime you think of this, every day you eat, do this in remembrance of me. We're, I'm gonna, we're gonna take the bread together and then Terry's gonna pray and close us out. Thank you, Father, for this, this day. Thank you for allowing us to serve you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to come down to this world to sacrifice his life for us, for our sins. Lord, we thank you for this time, for this communion, for this congregation. Bless us, Lord as we go our way in your precious name, Jesus. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, we're always up here to pray for you. If you're new to faith, we have something called Growth Track and we have life groups for you. Please sign up in the lobby, but give God praise. And make sure you come next week. We have that special speaker. Invite a friend. I believe it's so life-giving. I loved going and hearing her, so please do.